Welcome to this four-part series of Between the Sheets, where I'm joined by co-founder Charlotte O'Sullivan from Hall of Harper, a beautiful sexual wellness boutique where everything has been chosen with consideration, a high-touch, high-service offering, supported by a curation of the world's most luxe sexual brands. Charlotte and I recently finished our meditation teacher training together and really thought sleep and sex two really important topics when it comes to our overall happiness in life needed to be discussed. So over the next four episodes, we're going to explore the sleep space and sex, sleep, desire, and libido. And sleep, desire, and libido play a really big circular moment when it comes to our lives. And then the impact that motherhood has on sleep, desire, and libido, and also peri and menopause, and how this intertwines with our sleep and also desire and libido. I would like to remind listeners that while we discuss a wide range of topics on the show, any advice I give is purely my opinion. If you want to delve deeper and require further support in your sleep health journey, please speak to your preferred healthcare professional so they can tailor their service to your particular health and medical needs. I do hope you enjoy this series. Let's get started. And today we're talking about the impact that motherhood has on sleep, desire and libido. This is a topic close to my heart because I am a mum. I think that it's fantastic to have Charlotte here today. And I think that the key is really understanding that this is happening to most women and you are not alone and there is no shame around any of the changes that might be happening. Our amazing bodies are doing changes and that's what they're there to do with the different stages of our life comes change. And so I think that if we can try to embrace it and have a really optimistic view around it rather than, you know, sometimes I feel that social media paints lots of very negative views and is very quick to jump in around the doom and gloom of what's happening. Whereas I think that if we can really try and embrace the positive side of it, then we can probably breeze through this a little bit easier. So Charlotte, you are not a mum, so you're not coming from this from the mother angle, but you also know a lot about the topics that we're talking about. What have you uncovered? The magic of it all, it's, it lies in the change and the changes that happen through from a very physical standpoint, emotionally as well. It's not just a linear, one linear flatline life. We are, and as women as well, I think we're exposed to even about 10 times more of physical and emotional changes. And we can choose to look at that in a very positive or negative light. But of course, yeah, there is, there with change comes sense of uncomfortability sometimes of feeling not like yourself and after having a baby there's like a huge hormonal wave that comes along of course through pregnancy and then postpartum and of course this is heavily linked into our the way we sleep the way we survive the way we the way we crave food and then of course our sexual desires or arousal the natural hints that we usually felt might not feel as natural as before and so hormonally postpartum two key hormones that are completely linked to our sex sex drive and arousal are estrogen and progesterone so giving birth 
these hormones begin to plummet. And when these hormones are in decline, oxytocin and prolactin increase. And so with that, the love hormone is often dedicated straight to, straight to the body to become completely enamored with your baby and child and all those flooded hormones really surcharge. And then with the prolactin, that rise is very linked to your lactation. So that's helping breastfeeding occur. That's helping that, that extra bonding. Both those hormones are getting let off after orgasm. So you can see the overlaps begin to happen. On the flip side, maybe libido starts to decline and vaginal dryness starts to occur, which obviously then you can't jump back into having sex and pretend like nothing's ever happened. But society would probably like us to think that way. <laughs> of course. We're superwomen, yeah. Like biology disagrees. That connection hormone is now becoming completely fulfilled with raising a child, with having the child belong to you, with breastfeeding, with so much connection. This definitely impedes your desire to have sex with your partner. So, of course, there's that that feeling of the partner starting to feel neglected. You might start to maybe not feel neglected but just exhausted. And then sleep, on the other hand, is completely impeded upon. Yeah, and it is a challenging time and it's – there's a lot more information and it's being spoken about a lot more now, but 10, 11, 12 years ago and longer, I don't think that there was a lot of conversation, well, not in the circle that I was in, around all of these things. If you're not aware of it and you're not having that conversation with your partner, then this is where the lines of communication can break down and it becomes very isolating. All of a sudden there's a third party involved, i.e. it's your first child, your child, your baby, being brought into this relationship, which was very, you know, exclusive probably for two people. You know, there's this really big tug and push sort of feeling around it all. When you layer not sleeping on top of all of this, everything is heightened enormously. And so I think that the first step around all this as well is thinking about what the lines of communication are and having the conversation so that your partner who might not be aware of all of this, has some understanding of the science behind it. Completely. And it creates much more context for your sexual behaviour, your behaviour in general, of how you feel. And not that you should have to justify, but it's just the natural the natural path. With all the chaos and the love and the heightened emotions, there are so many less opportunities for conversation and things to get missed and overlooked. And Sexual desire and intimacy are integral parts of your relationship to thrive on as a couple and into parenting as well. So it is something that shouldn't be ignored and should be spoken about. And it becomes a little bit less sexy and much more (laughs) practical, unfortunately. It creates that time and space of realising that this isn't forever. This is such a temporary little moment. And it's a beautiful time. But there are also ways of enhancing all of that because, yeah, you might not be having sex like you used to be having sex or having the same desire or arousal, but it might be coming back in a different way. When we often have parents who come into our boutique and ask us questions and that often preface it with, we have kids at the house, we can't, like this this isn't a thing for us. And I totally understand yeah that time is so much more capped it it isn't it isn't an open playing field as much as you might want to be present with your partner your mind is with your child yeah it doesn't have to be like that forever so we often are recommending like that extra type of foreplay and intimacy 
as much as possible and whether that is like during something with something like massage you, some mothers might feel completely touched out and feel like yeah. they're having kids <laughs> cling to them all day and they don't want to be touched they don't want to massage but it's communicating that mm. so your partner doesn't start to feel that neglect that they might have been feeling previously it's just communicating with what feels right for you all of this in our stages of life and if we kind of break it down in our 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s beyond we move through stages as you enter that new stage really understanding what is going on entering into parenthood motherhood is understanding that this stage is going to also be very different but it's not here forever and like you said it will move and change and evolve quite quickly so not getting too bogged down and thinking oh my god this is my life now because it's not your life now it's just for a period of time and then it will change when you've got babies it is whilst you may not feel like doing it it is still a great opportunity to find time to be intimate with your partner because you've got children you've got babies sleeping and you know they're not fully aware of what's going on it's as your children as you move then into that next stage of being very aware it's really trying to find the times and I suppose that you know for a lot of people it is at night time or first thing in the morning and then if you're layering in multiple children and lots of sporting activities and all sorts of things and that becomes challenging as well so when are you carving out time in your day your week your month your year to um, find this time for intimacy as horrible as this might sound but maybe planning it in scheduling in time could be the starting point because otherwise it will never happen Completely. And if it's not children, it could be a career. It's, yeah. And if it's not that, it's simply other s- kinds of stimulation and distraction that get in the way. Yeah. Previous episodes, we spoke about the benefits of an orgasm and what happens after the hormones that are sent off. And not only is, is that doing amazing things for your sleep, it's also benefiting your all your dopamine receptors so that happy uh, happy hormone and all the intimacy so essentially you become better parents because that relationship's much more stable from having that time together and enjoying each other potentially how it may have been previously and keeping that as it evolves and realizing that of course things are changing but you're both on the path together and not to make this sound more difficult but also it is important for people to understand that this requires a bit more work you need to put the work in so the solid foundation of the relationship is critical for in life you've made a commitment and a decision that you want to you know live with this person for the rest of your life if you've you know taken vows and and that's the path that you want to go down and it's a pretty serious commitment as I'm also a marriage celebrant. So I do take all of that very seriously. I often look at what is happening, particularly these days. I feel that people get so swept up in the wedding instead of the marriage. And there is so much emphasis put on a wedding and not a marriage that we get confused about what this actually means and therefore a lot of conversations are missed so if you're not doing the pre-marital questions you can do that in many different ways whether that be through a church or through center care or whatever that might look like there could be some really big areas that are missed in terms of how you might want to raise children or whether you want to have children where your values sit you know if we haven't got this foundation from the beginning and then we're bringing children into it or a career, as you pointed out. And if the 
intimacy is not there, which is the foundation, is part of the foundation of the marriage, then it's a bit of a recipe for disaster in, in, in reality. So it's understanding all of these steps as we go and making sure that we are fully committed and understand because if we can commit to this relationship with a partner for the long term and we're bringing children in, this is the foundation for such an amazing life. And that doesn't matter whether this is with no other attachments involved. And this can be the way that, you know, you can live this really extraordinary life. Completely. And it, it does require that extra commitment and a little bit more awareness. It's not easy. Nourishing relationships in all, in every regard takes its time and challenges. But you'd for me, and I know for you, Shay, it's it's much more rewarding when you have those really nourished, deep relationships because you get so much back out of it, and then you put so much back in. It's a give and take. Yeah, for for people that are wondering how they can deepen this this experience through motherhood, we sort of touch on the fact that there is postpartum, and then you know being parents of toddlers and queens and and then teenagers, and and it changes through all of this. And you've got to look at constantly evolving and working on this piece of the relationship and then linking it back to sleep. So that's really why we're here. And if we look at how sleep plays a role in this, if we are not allowing the time for sleep and getting good sleep, then it's going to be really hard to feel feelings of desire and have an increased libido to sustain this part of the relationship. A hundred percent and that and going into the nervous system, priming your body to have the most restful sleeps in each stage of your of your life and through motherhood does require having the little tips and knowing you're having a little toolkit of what might be most appropriate for that time. So we we often talk about aromatherapy, how wonderful it is, and whether maybe there's some herbal and aptogenic benefits that you might be taking and, of course, be consulting your naturopath or GP. And But some herbs that I really like and that calm the nervous system, uh, ashwagandha, passion flower, right? reishi mushrooms and rhodiolas, they're all very linked to calming the nervous system and it's super accessible to be taking. And, of course, <laughs> you can get so time poor that links straight back into your sleep. Not only are those linked all to your sexual desire, but it's linked into calming the nervous system and priming your body for that, the, the most rewarding sleep. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the, the key areas when it comes to sleep is relaxation. And if we are not in a deep state of relaxation or even just a state of relaxation, then it is going to be so challenging to fall asleep. So you could want all of the magic potions in the world and you could be taking sleeping tablets so you know I often hear from people who are still taking sleeping tablets and they're not working so these are prescribed drugs because they haven't done the pre-work and the pre-work is getting relaxed sex can play such an important role in this because it can help you relax carving out the time which is something that I think that's as in society today and we talked about this on the previous episode is that we are not good at allocating time for the wind down and it's not the wind down with wine it's just the wind down in the evening (laughs) and you know as much as we we love you know I love having a glass of wine but I know it doesn't really support my sleep and it doesn't actually really support my desire for intimacy either any kind of substance like alcohol or nicotine 
throw caffeine and sugar into it as well if you want to. It changes our body and it's not changing it in a way that is conducive to an increased libido. So it's understanding all of these things that are playing that role as well. And if you are taking medications, sometimes this can play a role in the feeling of decreasing your libido or your desire. So it's really understanding what it, what's happening for you in your little ecosystem and how can you make some of these changes to get into a relaxed state to feel the desire. And it might not just be sex. It might just be the cuddle and the touch and the intimacy that happens One of the key pieces as well is understanding about, are you going to bed with your partner? And sometimes this can be challenging. I recently did a podcast on teens and sleep. And one of the suggestions was around taking it in turns, almost like when you have babies, about who's going to stay up to do a feed or be awake. And it's the same thing with teens because they need to stay awake often later, A, because their hormones are driving that, but B, they might have study and other commitments or C, making sure that they're not on their phones or devices. And so it's taking this in turn. So how are you, if if that's what's also happening, then where are you scheduling the time for intimacy? And also, I guess, from an educational part of it, with raising your kids is trying to encourage the nightly routine. Never let the nightly routine go. Yeah, like it, It's just yeah. bedtime, brushing teeth, going to the toilet, Absolutely. reading a book, all of that. That doesn't have to stop past the age of four. And just the simple routine of what you had as a child, what you just said, it is just as simple as going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, reading a book. Those are the three key things that you can still be doing right through until you're 17. Like creating that element of fun, like being like, this is my time to, this isn't time for me. I'm finished. I've had this big day. I've had so many things happen, even conversating about your day. And that links into like dinner table conversation as well. How much we've lost that ritual of having dinner together as families. Definitely. But not, you can see in so many different cultures that the dinner table or that nightly routine is very much nourished and disciplined and restored. And that does change your elements of community. It changes how you view your sleep, how you view your family. Absolutely. It's allocating time. It's continuing with routines for your children, your babies, your children, your teens, conversation and communication and starting that two-way dialogue to make sure that this is still part of what you're doing, part of your relationship. And something also to be so congratulated and celebrated because being a mother is no easy task or being a parent to any degree, especially if you're wanting to be a conscious, very present caregiver and parent. It requires a lot of you and it's probably one of the biggest sacrifices but the most rewarding. It's not a time to be demonizing and kind of putting yourself down. It's time to be celebrating this magnificent feat and knowing that the the course of your life will be changed forever but for the bad for the better and you'll be able to experience it together. I I can see it through many older relationships where they're very much so they've been worked on, they've been very nourished and you do see how they're living their life now into their sixties, seventies and it is just as harmonious and amazing. They've been through a lot, but the result is much more worthwhile. Absolutely. So it is possible and um, we need to remember that to maybe not be so harsh on ourselves during these stages, they do change quite quickly and that we will soon move into the next stage and 
with that is sometimes rewarding and sometimes challenging and just looking for the positives in, in all areas. Yes, completely. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleep by Shay podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, head on over to the show notes for all the details and sleep advice you need. If you like what you're hearing or are sleeping better, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and listen along with the Sleep by Shay podcast to wake up looking and feeling your very best every day. 